The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Until the start of the NFL season, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. One and oh, never felt so good, baby. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, pride of Detroit.com, pride of Detroit on Twitter, pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Welcome in as we enter season nine of the POD cast. Wait, wait, year nine, season eight of the POD cast, I believe. We started in 2015. Jeremy doesn't think my math checks out, but um, we'll. We're going to roll with it either way. Uh, I think our I, I forgot our anniversary was on the 10th. It was on Sunday. So happy birthday to us. And we get to talk more about a Lions victory. Now that we're in the aftermath of of every of everything but one game from week one of the NFL, we have a full picture of the rest of the league. And we still even though we did our post game and everything, we still have a lot more to talk about about the Detroit Lions breaking this down. We've had a few days to digest it. So let's get to the crew. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, already starting with the adequacy by not understanding how numbers work or seasons or anything like that. The man who is expressing his disapproval, silently judging me as always, the producer of Pride of Detroit, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online, the fearless leader. Jeremy, we're one to know, baby. Yeah, I'm right. And I don't know, we're what? I don't. I, I'm struggling with my own math. However many hours since uh, the Lions win, and I I feel like I'm still a little bit on cloud nine. And granted, some of that is because of what happened on Sunday as well, and we'll get to that later in the show. But uh, 
We need gotta, to change your, say. Your, your your display name should be number one Vikings hater. <laughs> no, but I think I think something that also helped because like Lions Chiefs was a little sloppy and we'll get into some of the sloppiness of it. Um, but I think Sunday was a nice reminder that there's a lot of sloppy football this early in the season. So um, I think you, you have to feel pretty good with playing sloppy football and escaping Arrowhead with a win. Even when we still had four preseason games, I always felt like the first half of September is just that it's sloppy yes. football. Like no matter how much you do, if you're sitting at a lot of preseason, the first few games, it's basically going to be preseason of another kind. And unlike college football, you don't get to play directional Tennessee state uh, agricultural school. Right. You have to jump into the real boys right away. Unless you're the Green Bay Packers. Unless you're the Green Bay Packers, then you have a preseason game. Speaking (laughs) of the real big boys, Ryan Matthews, the rock god, senior editor at Ryan underscore P.O.D. He is a big, big boy. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well, you know, and as far as big, big boys go, Chris Jones, what a great time to sign your deal, buddy. Like (laughs) marvelous work by the Chiefs and Chris Jones. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for that. His agent, his agents, give his agent some credit. Like, wow, what what great timing, making sure you, 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 you play the season asterisk. I, I will, we'll get into asterisk talk a second. I will say, I do think that they were going to get it done after this around this time, win or lose. But I do want to ask you guys, it does feel like it now that they lost in the way they lost with Jameer Gibbs and, Mon- and David Montgomery running over that line that like, hey, maybe we do need Chris Jones a little bit more than we than we thought. Maybe he got a little bit of extra juice on the deal. That I mean, it's a, it's an interesting thing to think about. I'm sure they didn't want him to miss any games, right? But right. he didn't. He had free tickets in the owner's suite. That's right. Yeah, he had a great view of the game. He had a fantastic view. (laughs) Best seats in the house. Yeah. Good for him. I hope he enjoyed it. Well, let's get started. Going back to that game. I know me and Jeremy, we got out some of our immediate takes, and I'm going to talk where I want to talk again now that I've had a few days to process all what happened. But I feel like Ryan, I want to start with Ryan and your reactions to this game. Again, we're doing this now on Monday. We've had about four days to process everything that's happened, live down the hype, maybe mellowed on a few things, maybe gotten to look at some grades, do, done deeper dives on film. What is your big takeaway from this game, Ryan? What, where, where, if we're going to sum this up as a quick video essay, where are you going with this with this game? The win on Thursday night against the Chiefs was the biggest lifetime in my victory. Or the oh man, let me start wow. that over again. Yeah, I'm so tongue-tied by it, I can't even get it out. Uh, We're off to a fantastic start to the season, folks. The 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 win on Thursday in Arrowhead was the biggest victory in my lifetime as a Lions fan. And the thing is, is like that. I don't think that's even debatable amongst anybody else who's 32 years old, like myself. Like it 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 was the biggest win. Of my lifetime. And I think I sent that same text message to seven or eight people that night where I was (laughs) like, yeah, like this is the one thing I can take away from this game is on the grandest stage of them all against an alien of a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Almost literally with the shape of his uh, his helmet now. Yeah, I, I mean, him and Aaron Rodgers, they need to figure out the helmet thing. But I noticed uh, who is it? I think Lawrence's helmet is getting big, too. But anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah. But yeah, the the fact just remains, man, like it was um, it was huge. And 
not to say that if things didn't bounce the other way and maybe the Lions come up on the uh, on the losing end and they end up coming up just short and air ahead. Yeah, things are different, but they're not. You know what I mean? And and I feel like as Lions fans for so long, we've always kind of dealt in shoulda, coulda, wouldas and, you know, always being on the wrong side of bad bounces and always waiting for the other shoe to fall. And it didn't and it wasn't going to. And as soon as, you know, the the clock hit zeros and the Lions had won. I I mean, the, the thing was that night I, I couldn't I couldn't fall asleep. Like I couldn't get my heart to slow down. Like <laughs> I was sitting there one. I was like, there's all these drinks out here that like totally get you up like coffee and energy drinks and stuff. But like, I, do I need to drink some warm milk? <laughs> to, to relax like how do i how do i get myself to to chill out and some and, chamomile yeah but again i i don't think it'd be understated like it was the and it's a regular season game it's the first game yeah. of the season right like, like i i think i know what you're saying like if i told you in the last five minutes patrick mahomes is going to have the ball twice on a one-point game you're saying the lions are losing that game to be honest, it kind of even felt like at halftime that things weren't trending in the right direction. You know, the the Chiefs had an awesome yep. second quarter, looked like their offense was starting to put it together. They score before the half and they're getting the ball back up 14 seven. Yep. There was that moment of, mm, yeah, I've seen this movie before and <clears throat> it sucks, but looks like probably gonna have to dust ourselves off and, and you know, come back home and and get things off to the right start. Nope. Nope. The the second half was the biggest reason that I can say that it was the biggest Lions victory in my lifetime. And it's I mean, we, we've been saying it all offseason, right? How how this is different, right? And, you know, the whether it's the expectations this year, whether it was the way they finished last year, we've been constantly seeing sign after sign that this is different from optimism in the past. And I think you're right. This sort of win is something that we have never seen in the modern day Lions air. And I'm just going to I'm going to say that's Barry Sanders and beyond or after post Barry Sanders. I don't think we've had a win anything close like this before, because all those years that, you know, the Lions go 11 and five that one year, they they, you know, make the playoffs three times in that era. The one thing that was always missing from the resume was a win against a really good team. They they would beat up on the bad teams and then you'd be the like, dreaded, oh, well, yeah, the dreaded Stafford record, right? Yeah. What's his Jim record Schwartz, about winning not, I mean, games? <laughs> And Jim Caldwell is what I meant to say. Like Jim Caldwell was that whole era was like, wow, we, we can pretty consistently beat bad teams. Can't take that next step. And like, it almost feels like right now the Lions have skipped a step because technically last year was that mediocre year, but we didn't get it toward until the end of the season. They did last year still felt like, okay, you're still way too young. And now it feels like, okay, you're legitimate already. And, and listen, is is a lot of this going to turn out to be week one overreaction? Yeah, of course it is. But I don't know if the Lions could have made a bigger statement unless they somehow blew out Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead, which never happens. Never. I'm going to go back to what I wrote on Friday in that, like, and it's something Dan, Camp, uh, Dan Campbell said himself. He said, I didn't learn anything from this game. I got verification of what I already knew. And like what I wrote on on Friday, I said that the Lions have stopped being the team that tries to be the one who takes down Goliath. They get to stand right now on the same level as every other team. You don't you you have to eventually put away this little engine that could mentality 
for the Detroit Lions. They belong here. There was a lot of people going into this season looking at the Lions getting the opening night game against the Kansas City Chiefs saying, I don't know if that's this is really the case. I can't buy into this. Do the Lions really be, be, like there was that awful thing the NFL schedule guy was saying is like, oh, the Lions deserve this. And there was a whole discourse over what does deserve mean. But the Lions are a, a big boy team like every other le- team in the NFL now. And it's time to stop treating them like being the Detroit Lions and that it's something like they've always been this shameful thing. I guess that's at the heart of what people say when they say brand new Lions. I don't like the moniker too much, but it is true that we have to stop thinking about the Lions as the team who's always the scrappy underdogs. They expected to go in there and beat the Chiefs, and they did. And Dan Campbell, I think, even said the same thing, that they expected to win that game. And that's the mentality you have to have as a football team. Did they get away with stuff? Sure, absolutely. Did they miss Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey? Sure, absolutely. And I guess this dovetails into our asterisk talk, too, because thank you, Mike Tirico. But I don't think there's an asterisk next to it because every other team in the NFL doesn't get asterisks. You don't you don't do that to teams. A win is a win. This isn't college football. We're not trying to impress voters out here. A win is a win. And they won week one against the defending Super Bowl champions. Who have yeah. the best quarterback right now. And 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 that I think I think like I don't think anyone in the NFL views it as an asterisk. I don't like Mike Tarico doesn't really even view it as an asterisk because no, I think he walked he walked it back a bit. He was trying to like say well, something, no, but I don't think even, he was yeah. Even in the same sentence, like literally words after he says I mean, the whole quote is this has an asterisk because no Chris Jones and no Travis Kelsey. But after what you saw at the end of last year and what you saw tonight, the team in blue and silver is for real. That is the whole quote. So anyone like really mad about the asterisk quote is blowing it out of proportion. I'm actually with Mike Tirico and is like, you guys didn't read the entire context. I said the team was for real. But yeah, like the line, all he was saying is the Lions benefited from those two being out. And that's undoubtedly being true. But to me, the more important thing is everyone knows the Lions are for real now. Like they just did that on a national stage. So there's not going to be a team that walks into Ford Field and underestimates this team anymore. And that's going to present its own challenges because the Lions aren't an underdog anymore. They're five and a half points favorites over the Seahawks, a team that made the playoffs last year and a team that a lot of people think are going to be good again next year. Damn what happened against the Rams on Sunday. Like the Lions have arrived and everyone saw it. And so now... Now, what do you do with that respect? What do you do with that attention? That becomes the next question. Um, because I, th- I think a lot of people, like you said, like they looked at last year and they say, well, 2022 doesn't necessarily carry over to 2023. And, you know, they didn't play any really big games with anything on the line. Well, that was a pretty damn big stage week one and a pretty damn good opponent. And we saw what happened. So now, now people are going to pay attention to y'all. Yeah, the asterisk thing to me really just felt like it did feel like it was blown out of proportion, but I did understand people's gripe with it because when you hear that word asterisk, it it evokes a sense of like exception, right? Like mm-hmm. the Lions win, but there's an exception to it. And I understand that it wasn't part of the full quote, but like just don't use the word asterisk. But I do know, but I do know, Ryan, that especially over the weekend, there were a lot of people on sports talk. Just saying, yeah, 
but the Lions didn't have to face Jones and Kelsey. It comes back to that regardless. Like we may hate that word, but people are going to keep using that as the critique that they and again, how that game played out with the drops the the Chiefs had. Now, granted, I know, Jeremy, you've pulled up the numbers on the on the uh, drops as well. And like the Lions, I think, had one more drop than the Chiefs, but nobody can argue the Chiefs had drop more drops in bigger situations. But it was it was like, reversed according to the was, PFF PFF's yeah. version of drops. Chiefs had three yeah. lines at two. Lions had two, yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, anyway. the 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 one other thing I want to say though is, and I know you can't do this, so I don't want to steal Jeremy's gimmick. But like, if you take this game week one and you move it to literally any other point in the season, are people making as big of a hubbubaloo about the fact that Travis Kelsey was hurt and Chris Jones wasn't playing? Like. We all know that the NFL is a war of attrition. We all know that from week to week, teams are changing so much because of injuries. It just so happened to be week one, right? Like it felt like no other football had been played. So there was this thing about the Chiefs where it was like, well, they're just not at full strength. And, you know, that that's just a, you know, it, again, it's something that the Lions can overcome, but they're going to do so because of that. And, you know. It doesn't matter to me. One or no. Well, flip that narrative, though, Ryan. If the if the Chiefs had won this, there would have been no asterisk about like about that. It would just be Patrick Mahomes is so good. He doesn't need these. You know, he doesn't need Kelsey. He doesn't need Jones or anything like that. It would have been still in service to the result that they wanted to see at the end of the day and that's and that's what chiefs fans were saying before the game too right is like oh we don't need like it's patrick mahomes he's gonna be fine he's gonna make stars out of sky Moore and Kadarius tony and and you know what's marquez valdez scant right yeah like he's got enough options he's gonna be fine because he's i mean i mean look what matthew stafford did with some guys that y'all never even heard of okay save that for a little later (laughs) i i i do want to say like uh i i do want to send a gift basket to get Kadarius Tony who's probably not feeling well after probably one of the most horrible games I've seen for a wide receiver in a while. But like, I, I, I'm just glad we could do this instead of Ryan, instead of the inevitable talk, which was Jawan Taylor, which was the officiating. You know how much I don't like talking officiating, but it did feel like even then Jawan Taylor pushing the boundaries so much on what they allow right tackles to do in lining up in the backfield, in getting a, a step up there, which, by the way, I've heard from some former offensive tackles in the, uh, from the NFL, like the way they can get away with that is, I guess, the crown of their helmet is technically on the line of scrimmage. So they don't count as offsides in that regard. But just, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the officiating thing wasn't too much of an issue for me. I just found it wild that the chief's right tackle was not playing by the rules and it happened all night long and right up until the final plays for the chiefs. It was on opening Finally night. Flagged. It was on NBC. And it was like, man, I really hope that like other tackles around the league aren't watching this football game and being like, Oh, here's some precedent being set. Do you think the league sends out a memo on that, Jeremy? Yes, I do. Um, and it's not the, it's not the false starts. The false, false starts was everyone's focused on. It was, it was the alignment that I think was the actual problem it, mm-hmm. because yeah. he was lined up a full, like two yards behind the line of scrimmage. His, his head was not in line with the, you know, the, 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 the belt belt line of the, of the center. In fact, 
David Bakhtiari, a guy who does some of this stuff, said like he can't defend it. He can't defend how like he thought it was ridiculous. Yeah, I know JJ um, Watt had a tweet out where he's just frustrated and saying like this is just how the league screws defenses again, which is a little reductive, but still the sentiment is there. Like, how do you deal with something like that? And the fact that it's being brought up on a broadcast, I feels like becomes the breaking point because as other people have pointed out, right tackle has been able to do this for years, but it's different when you're, when even when you have Tariko and, and Collinsworth up there saying, yeah, this is a little much. Yeah, for sure. But to me, like, okay, JJ Watt saying something, Okay, of course, he's a defender. He he yeah. hates it. To me, David Bakhtiari, an offensive tackle, saying like, yeah, no, that's ridiculous. When he's like, he benefits from cheating like that. Like, right. don't go, don't say that's bad to the public, but like, it's that egregious that he even, and, and I think I saw someone say like, they wouldn't have counted it. And also- it was like 21 times he was yeah. lined up probably illegally, which is, I mean, I don't like, the thing is, you know, I've heard some people say like, oh, it's the Lions responsibility to let the, the refs know. And it's the refs responsibility to just let Juwan Taylor know, like, hey, you got to you got to get closer to the line. If you don't, I'm going to flag you. Um, and then I've heard some people suggest that maybe that, like he's tipping plays by how far back he is, which may or may not be true. We didn't didn't really get anything from Dan Campbell because he didn't want to talk about officiating, understandably. But um, I, I think I think a memo has to go out because that's I mean, you can't keep keep bending and bending and bending that rule game one of the season and it's being talked about on nbc i think at that point it's like all right we got enough egg on our face yeah we're going to dive into some individual performances here but you know who's never offside ryan you never what's never is a false start always good and ready to rip open what's that chris Righteous felon craft jerky back with pride to Detroit for our second season. That's right. They're no longer a rookie with pride to Detroit. They're growing up. They're taking that second year leap. They got brand new flavors here too. We last year. We didn't have soul survivor. We didn't. Now the POD 20 discount has expired, but we've got a new one for you, but we got to tell you righteous felon. Craft jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. You could be eating the same meat that your one and O Lions are meeting. Eating, excuse me. Uh, you know each- what? I like that. No, I like that better. When you when They're you meeting. snack on when you snack on righteous felon, you are meeting. You are meeting at midfield. <laughs> you are meeting for the. <laughs> I don't. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 and 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, using locally sourced all natural black Angus beef with superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond your stereotypical jerky offering. For the rest of the season and continuing on, you can get more for your buck, too. POD 15 at checkout. Gets you 15% off your order. So go to righteousfelon.com, use POD15 at checkout, get yourself plenty of meat and meat at midfield. I like that, Jeremy. We will have to hit them up. We'll tell them, like, hey, we just came up with a new slogan for you. I think yeah, we get I mean, more kickback. At the very least, hashtag meeting M E A T I N G should be their, their hashtag. It might be a risky hashtag, but I think we can. <laughs> do we still do hashtags? It's 2023. Are we still doing hashtags? Why not? 
All right. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Remember, POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Once more, continuing to bask in the glory of a victory thanks to a long weekend from playing on Thursday. I'm going to enjoy this this year, that we get three Thursday games and a Monday game. Plenty of time to enjoy the rest of the slate. As long as they win those games. I, as long as they win them, as long I as they win them. But either either way, like I do enjoy having the games separate from the rest of the slate so I can enjoy the rest of football because I am an NFL fan as well as a Lions fan. I, I do, too. I just I don't love working till 4 a.m. That's not That's my true. favorite. <laughs> I know. I know. I know, Jeremy. That's why you should have stayed in the West Coast. Hmm. Let's get back. And I want to talk about some personal performances now from the. From the Detroit, from the Lions game here, and I guess I want to start. And I know by starting here, we are probably going to get called haters. We're going to get called doubters, and we're going to get called uh, all kinds of names. But uh, it's a new season. Once again, we have to talk Jared Goff. How do we feel about his performance? Because quite honestly, like if I'm evaluating this game, Jeremy, and I guess this goes to the passing game overall, really. I don't think the Lions really played their best game against the Chiefs. And that was kind of one of the points I wanted to have for my takeaway. And I just kind of let it skip my mind. I don't think the Lions played a great game, but I guess the point is you don't need to bat a thousand now as the Detroit Lions. But if we're examining individual parts of this team right now, I don't think they really did that well in the passing game in this. That's not the same offense we saw last year. Yeah. And I I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Obviously, I think, the wide receivers got the brunt of the the hate um, for for the offensive performance. I, I don't really put a, a ton of negative plays on Jared Goff. And in fact, that's what's made him so good in the past, you know, 10, 12 games go, dating back to last year's. He's done a very good job avoiding negative plays like we, we did have another weird spin move thing that that caused a lot of stress, uh, at least in, in myself in particular. But I think he was what sacked one time mm-hmm. didn't. Didn't throw any turnover-worthy plays, I don't believe. Um, didn't turn the ball over at all. 
Um, yeah, the only negative so, marks I had were like getting the ball batted down the line of scrimmage late in the game. And then I, I, I'm but, sorry, you, sh- you should finish here before we go into the one question I had for you. But yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, all, all like I, I look at that game and, you know, I watched the replay on the all 22 and all that. And, and I saw maybe one or two passes that were not really where they needed to be. And there were a couple times where he just. He was standing there waiting for someone to break open and, and they weren't getting open. And 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 yes, there also were what three, four batted balls at the line. But you know, he was I, I think he I'm not gonna give him credit for that, but a lot of times he was standing in a pocket that was collapsing and stayed pretty calm, which is something that he hadn't done in years past very well. So I thought I thought overall that was not not his best game. Like obviously he didn't light light the, the game on fire, but I thought there weren't a lot of reads that he missed. I know there was that one right up the middle to Amon Ra that he would have scored a touchdown on, but that was his third or fourth read in the in the progression. So sometimes you just don't get that far. Um, and I thought he was fairly accurate. And and just like I said, like he's playing mistake free football. And when you're playing a team like the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, as long as you can avoid giving them an extra possession, which Marvin Jones didn't, uh, but but Jared Goff did, and so I think he deserves some credit for that. Ryan, I want you I want to ask you about the rest of the passing game there, because I think Jeremy alluded to it near the end there. Marvin Jones having, uh, I think, uh, a couple of drops in this game as well. I know some fans are frustrated with his performance, which I don't think they really need to be. It's week one. And also at the same time, it's a player who I think is like fairly down on the charts. Like it's it's not the Marvin Jones who was here a few years ago, he's got a lot more tread on the tires now at this point. But overall, in the passing game, how did you feel on the Lions? Yeah, the passing game was, I think, ultimately, um, and maybe it was just a high bar that I think we were setting for ourselves right out of the gate, but it did mm. feel disappointing. It felt like there was a lot of meat left on the bone, um, not not putting blame necessarily anywhere, like in terms of an individual. I, I'm certainly not putting that on golf by any means. I'm not putting it on Marvin Jones for fumbling for the first time in his NFL career. But I, I, I did feel like with just so much. With so much promise shown over those last uh, you know, few weeks in the NFL season and and the kind of points that they're putting up over that stretch. I think just coming into Arrowhead and and only putting up 14 points on a Chiefs defense where, you know, we we're all talking about how big of a deal Chris Jones would make, Jeremy. I, I, I don't know how much more. I mean, Chris Jones definitely has an impact on that game for sure. But that was one of the areas where I, I thought Jared Goff played really well was when he was faced with pressure and there was that one, that one spin move from, from Jared Goff that all of us hate to see. But outside <laughs> of that, Jeremy, like when Goff was under duress, it, he looked incredibly poised and that's not always the case. I, and I, I like, I want to put this out here too, because you look at the, the overall stats, they're not that bad. They're pretty good. 22 of 35 for 253, 7.2 in attempt, 94.1 pass rating. And you're like, yeah, but that doesn't feel very representative of how it went. Well, let's look at some advanced stats, too. Without counting the Monday Night Football game, because obviously it hasn't happened yet. Lines were 11th in pass yards or in, in dropback EPA, meaning their, their expected points average per dropback. DVOA is already out. You want to guess what their pass offense is? I guarantee you, if I, have not, if I had not said what I'm about to say, you'd think it'd be a way lower than it is. I mean, I'm going to be shocked still if it's top five. It's fifth. 
Okay. I'm still shocked. Yeah. And I think part of it is the avoidance of negative plays. And I think, I think we're all a little bit sleeping about how well they played towards the end of that game. Like we were all hating on Marvin Jones. We were all hating on Josh Reynolds. Then Josh Reynolds went out and got 80 yards for this team. Sam Laporta moved the sticks a couple times. Like they figured some things out at the end of this game and really throughout the game. Like I know they only had two offensive touchdowns, but one was a 91 yard drive. One was an 80 yard drive. And they had a 61 yard drive that ended in a fumble. Like they were able to move the ball a little bit more consistently than I think some people remember. And so I'm not that worried. I know we're all looking for the big plays. I know we're all concerned that there isn't the the deep threat that, that will stretch the field, but Reynolds still caught like three or four balls that, that went for 20 yards. So they have ways to get explosive plays and it's only going to get more explosive. Once our man, Jameer Gibbs starts getting more reps and he is going to right away. I already thought he was already pretty good for the ground game. Like I thought, I know, I know the rushing attack kind of disappeared in about the middle of it. A lot of that was on uh, Montgomery. I felt kind of needing a bit in the middle of the game where he lost a bit of rhythm, but like by the end of the game, Montgomery was still running over dudes and Gibbs was hitting holes very fast, faster than I've seen a running back do in a long time for the Detroit lions. So I, I feel like this game, especially you look at the end of the, the game, putting it away, but all throughout the game, Jeremy, that rushing attack was, that was the lion's strength. And I know that's yep. what they've built up to. That's what they've wanted to do this entire time through all this offense. It's what Dan Campbell harps on all the time. They want their identity to be running the football and they really haven't had the pieces right up until now. Even last year, it did not feel like a complete rushing attack. This felt like, They've got two complementary pieces for their rushing attack. And to be honest, should have been even a little more because uh, it was, um, was it Montgomery who tripped up right before the goal line? It was line? Gibbs. That it was, was Gibbs. Gibbs who was Gibbs right. kicked it to the outside and he was about right. to score for he 12 was about, yards away or so. And that turns into the St. Brown touchdown eventually. Yeah. But like that could have been a sec. We could have had two rushing touchdowns in this game. We should probably have two rushing touchdowns in this game, representing the entirety of the Lions' offensive point scoring. Yeah, and do you want to bring back the the advanced statistics because you know I love them so much? Mm-hmm. Fifth in rush EPA, fifth in D, rush DVOA, top five in both those categories. And again, you look at the box score; maybe it doesn't look like that. Thirty-four rushes, one hundred eighteen yards, three-five a carry. You have to erase some of the kneel downs to make that look a little bit better. But yeah, like I think anyone watching saw Dave Montgomery. Break, like doing what he was ad, as advertised, breaking ta- even that touchdown run. We we talk about the great block that Sam Laporta had on that play, that that Panay had on that play, but he was still like he was five yards downfield and still had another five to go, and he just like absolutely dusted a guy and then ran over another guy. That's that's what he brings, and so yeah, I think you you have to feel pretty darn good about the run game. Again, you do have to bring up that Chris Jones wasn't there, and and in general that was a very young Chiefs defensive line that wasn't thought to have been very good, but they have good linebackers. So the fact that they didn't maybe have that breakaway play that maybe we were hoping for, not all that surprising, but I think, I think you have to feel pretty. And, and that's the whole thing. Like I'm throwing all these advanced statistics and you're probably yelling at me and be like, well, they scored 14 points on offense. Like what's the deal? I think the biggest problem on Thursday was the short yardage situations. Lines did not seem to have an identity of what they wanted to be. And so a lot of these drives ended prematurely because on third and two, they threw the ball on third and fourth and short, which I I call three or less. They threw the ball five times and they converted once. 
that's something that I think Ben Johnson is is going to be probably bothered him all weekend. If if knowing Ben Johnson, probably ate at him all weekend. And and this is something he has actually struggled with in the past. So I'm wondering how they they correct that issue because um that that can't fly. That that is the reason why you can have a very efficient day 90% of the time, but if you can't convert on third and fourth down, well then the points aren't going to come. Yeah. The the question I have about that, Chris, is you think about if the Lions are throwing the ball more in third third and short, is that a reluctance to even have fourth down on the on the table? You know what I mean? Like is that one of those things where it's third and four? Well, you could run the ball and get two yards, but eh, then you're kind in will he won't he territory. Yeah. And it is it just like an aversion to that to be like I think it's just not it? wanting to run the risk. Like I mean, I know ultimately the math has changed on fourth downs, and we all understand that fourth and short, you do want to go for it, but it is still a risk in case that fourth down play gets blown up. Like, and I think they just, that that's just good football just to, you want to minimize that kind of risk that you're just going to flip the field at a bad time. So I think that's yeah. more just like the lions are good at going for it in fourth down, but I think ultimately like, does anyone really want to be taking that risk that you could just give your opponent prime position if you don't convert? I, I don't think so. Like, you know, yeah. if it's working, then why, why, why suffer it to begin with? I yeah, want to ask you to your point. I think I want to ask you too, Ryan, like, because I, I think ultimately I like the efficiency of the Lions, but I do have questions in that this was a very high flying offense last year. And I just at a glance, what do we take away? What do you take away from it in that ultimately the production ends up becoming just 14 points on offense? Yeah, it, it's 14 points, but I think I attribute a lot of it to rust. And, and we talked about it on the, yeah, on the Twitter spaces. And yeah, we it, it was around the league. Right. But I, I think with the Lions, especially, you know, you, you see you saw them kind of get in some of the trouble that they had last season, right? Like early on, it was the three and outs. It was, you know, it was kind of feast or famine. And, you know, that's one thing that chiefs fans have said all week, like, no, if you take away the drive where you, you know, went for it on fourth down from your own end zone, it's like, okay, well they did. So whatever. But the, the big takeaway for me outside of just thinking, you know, this is rust and, and the lions will find their groove. They'll, they'll, they'll find their rhythm is, Jameer Gibbs contact balance is insane for a running back of his size. It seems like it seems like that guy has a magnet inside of his core where like no matter where he gets hit, like. Jeremy, the guy is so like demeaned, diminutive in size, right? Like he's just like a small back, like and he looks that way in person. But Jeremy, he was taking big hits and like one unless unless. Unless the Chiefs were wrapping up, they weren't bringing Gibbs down. Yeah. Jeremy, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. So true. <laughs> uh, can I ask Jeremy? I want to ask you this. Like, I have several standouts from the defense, if we can flip the field. Yeah. Who's the one, though, that you go to right away? Because, like, I, I I, think I have my answer, but I want to get it from another perspective. Like, I mean, I we, we could talk about Aiden, but I, I honestly, my answer, I think, is CJ Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, he was a terror and maybe there was a mistake. It looked like maybe he made the mistake on, on one of the touchdowns where there was a communication breakdown. But again, he's playing next to a whole bunch of people he's never played with. He's playing in a loud, crazy environment. I'm not that worried about the miscommunication stuff. And, and Dan Campbell said the same stuff today. But man, that guy is just 
he's not only an agitator, you know, he's not only getting in, in, in Isaiah Pacheco's head, which he very much was, and even took a punch from him that got uncalled. Um, but he's he's a menace as a run defender. He got two pass breakups in the fourth quarter on the final drive of the game, including one that I think Chiefs fans continue to call a drop. But no, he broke on that ball and broke it up. That is was a phenomenal play. I think that was the one that forced it to be either second or third down in that drive. And then, you know, the deep shot, he gets a hand on as well. And he probably should have had an interception earlier in the game where he was in a perfect position. He was playing kind of the player and a hit and hitting him where it would have landed kind of right there in his lap. But man, that guy has brought so much confidence, so much ball skills to the secondary while also being a phenomenal run defender that can play by, you know, the, the line of scrimmage. I think he changes the dynamic of everything they do. And we we focus a lot on the front end stuff. I think he's going to do so much for the back seven, and we just we saw only a fraction of it uh, on Thursday. And I'm 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 so, I'm still extremely excited about him. I don't know how you can't be excited to about, and I know there were some hiccups along the way, Jeremy, but like to see Brian Branch, you know, make a house call against Patrick Mahomes. I think that's just kind of. You know, aside from some of the plays where like maybe like pursuit and angle and 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 things like that, things that he can clean up. It was his first game, too. Right. In, in yep. the NFL. But I think if you put that on your mantle, like if you have that ball encased, you know what I mean? Like that happened on game one. I can do this. You know what right. I mean? Like I'm yep. here. I can do this. You you don't have any of those creeping doubts of, ah oh, man, like, I, you know, I, everybody talked about my ball skills and everybody talked about, you know, TFLs and X, Y, and Z. And there's these expectations. If you go do something big like that game one, that's got to be like a confidence builder for a guy that you would love to see his confidence even grow more for someone like Brian Branch. He, we talked to Brian Branch today and let me, let me pull a quote to, to corroborate what you just said. Quote, it definitely gives me a boost for my confidence. But each week is is going to be a challenging week. You've got to go out preparing like we did against Kansas City and just keep moving forward. We've got to do the same thing. So like, yeah, it's a confidence booster, but he's, that doesn't mean he's like, he's not going to rest on his laurels either, right? Because that's just the kind of competitor that he is. And and I want to say like about the interception, because a lot of people be like, oh, what do you mean it fell he got tipped up in the air. Blah, blah, blah. That was a third and six. And he was in the absolute perfect position to make a tackle, blow that up and get the defense off the field anyways. Right place, right time. Yep. But you get in that right place by doing your assignment and what you're supposed to be doing. He's already at your. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jeremy. He's already in a good spot. And because he's already in that good spot of his assignment, he's ready to take that opportunity right there. And then you don't find mm-hmm. a ball being tipped up in the air by accident. Right. I'm not actually going to go to Aiden Hutchinson. And I know we're going to continuing our disrespect to Aiden Hutchinson and constantly taking him for granted. And I I, I want to get to Aiden in a second because he's earned everything. But can I tell you how much fun it is to have linebackers that are actually like doing good? Like I and Anzalone, I think, had an up and down game, but we also got our first glimpses of Jack Campbell. And I'm curious what the PFF grades are are going to be. I don't think they haven't come out yet. Right, Jeremy? No, they, have, I, they have. Oh, they have. OK, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I missed that entirely because I think PFF was giving me uh, 2020 grades for some ungodly reason when I looked them up earlier. But I can give uh, it to you in a second. Keep yeah. going, though. But Jack Campbell, I thought this is a good preview, I think, Ryan, of why the Lions drafted Jack Campbell the way they did. 
And I uh, shout out to my friend Aaron Torres, who was one of these people kind of taking a victory lap because he's throughout a lot of this offseason. He's a big college guy. And he was always dismissing this narrative about, you know, the positional value of the Lions. Like, why do you take, you know, a linebacker here and a running back here? And he's like this on the Chiefs game. This is proof why Jack Campbell going out there and delivering to you on on night one is proof why that they trusted themselves in this. And look, they're going to trust Jack Campbell a lot moving forward. And this is a good start. This is a very good start. Yeah, I mean, it's a great start in my mind, too, because I wasn't sure if he would get 25 snaps on defense. I was was a little bit taken back by that. Like, I thought they loved Derek Barnes and, you know, talk about another guy who had an awesome night. Derek Barnes was lights out. That was so cool. But yeah, to, to have Jack on the field that much felt like a big win and especially I mean the pass breakup was awesome I mean that was an again like I I think I mentioned this but those first four picks all of them had an impact play at some point in the night and that felt like a big you know thumb to the nose of positional value positional value positional value well, PFF disagrees with both of you. <laughs> I've always been weirded out by their linebacker grades, but he had a 53.2, which is actually the third lowest grade on the Lions defense. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I again, I don't really read too much into PFF individual grades. Yeah, this is, this is, I, okay, now that I know this, I'm I'm sorry I even brought them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and I think part of it is he, he did give up a 25-yard completion where I think he got, you know, he got a little greedy and, and Mahomes beat him over the top type of thing. Mm. Um, but of course, that's going to happen. I, I I think the pass breakup is more indicative of what kind of player he is. And I think he's also a better zone coverage linebacker than he is a man to man linebacker, because that play that he made, w- which was obviously his own coverage play, reminded me so much of the interception that he had against Ohio State, where he's just like he's dropping into coverage. He's just got like such smooth movement in his back pedal and he's just in the right spot reading the, the quarterback's eyes. Um, that's that's the future. That is what the Lions are looking for and what the Lions are going to have in a guy like Jack Campbell. Is the rest of it there yet? No, not yet. But that's why you have Derek Barnes starting. That's why Derek Barnes recorded a 90.6 run defensive grade, according to PFF, because he is kind of a menace in the running game, because he's, as, as Aaron Glenn keeps saying it, like that guy is a missile downfield now. He can He's reading plays way better. He's just re- relentless speed. Like all of that he's got and and it's starting to translate into the NFL game now in year three. And so that is something that I'm I'm very excited about because all the all the talk is about Jane Can Jack Campbell, and understandably so, he's your first round pick, but Derek Barnes continues to like emphasize like I'm still here and I'm still getting 30 snaps a game and I'm earning them. Yeah. Yeah, it's already moving along. Moving along faster than I thought. So we'll see how much how the usage gets going here um, as we get into uh, week two. I do. But then, yeah, we do need to talk Aiden Hutchinson. I want to know what his ceiling is right now, because um, I got gassed up a bit on Thursday on the post show on the post game. But I'm going to reiterate, I think if he keeps playing at this level, we could be looking at an all pro season for him in year two. I don't think I'm out on the limb. I'm not there yet. Okay. Because here's I, I get it. I get it. I know I'm overreacting a bit to week one, but this is what Aiden was doing last year as well. And yeah. I just think that we just, because there was so many other stories like John Kaminsky and, and James Houston, that Hutchinson just got lost in that shuffle. 
I think I think there's a lot of things to talk about with Aiden here. Like obviously there's there's the right tackle stuff. There's there's the fact that Jawan Taylor, they they spent a ton of money on that guy because they wanted to lock down the right side of the line and they thought he was a really, really good tackle. And you know what? He has been a really, really good tackle in the past. So you always have to keep in mind the player you're going up against and and put it into that sort of context. The thing that that sep- that separates Aiden from I think some of these elite guys like a Micah Parsons, like a Nick Bosa, you know, all these elite pass rushers is he just he can't absolutely be destroy a game on a down to like every single down. Like he is not a guy who's going to get a sack every single game. Um, and part of it is, is just his skill set. Like he doesn't have the elite bend that some of those guys do, but he has the effort. He has plenty of athleticism. I'm not saying he's not an athlete. Um, and, and, and he's got a mindset that, that means he's going to consistently get better. He is like, this this idea that that he has a physical ceiling or that he has a an overall ceiling that he's already close to, I don't buy because of his mentality, because of his desire to get better, add more pass rush moves to his arsenal. But there is a class beyond Aiden Hutchinson that I don't think he's at yet and might not ever get to. Yeah, you have to be encouraged by the way that he's starting this season because he's so clearly acclimated to the NFL, Jeremy, like it's, it's obvious, right? Like there was, there was that element to last season where, you know, most rookies hit that wall, but because like you said, Hutch is this guy who is predicated on effort. Like if he did not put in the amount of work that he does put in, and I'm not saying he's a tryhard, but I'm saying he's a guy who just wants to be good at football. So because he's wired that way, there was no rookie wall he hit last year where, where other rookies would hit the wall. He literally became one of the best edge defenders in football over those last, you know, 10 weeks. And it was impressive stuff. And you have to be encouraged that there's no like, you know, sophomore slump or kind of step back or anything like that. Like I, I, I'm not there with Chris either. I think that there is room to believe though, that he could enter that pantheon. Yeah. Like, and, and I know I, I get your reservations because of the bend and everything. But like, if this is a guy who just doesn't quit, he has enough of the other stuff to be like, yeah, very, very, very good. Yeah. I, and I, to, to kind of piggyback off your point about how he never hit the rookie wall, like he is still playing a ridiculous amount of snaps. He missed six snaps all game in this game. And and while you, part of you is like, OK, they they have all these edge rushers, maybe take him off a little bit. Let's make sure he makes it through the entire season. Well, he played like 80, 90% of the snaps last year and only got better as the season went on. Dude. And when he was lined up over Tunney or when he was lined up over a guard, it was night, night, like, Oh my oh, gosh. Him in the interior thing. Great. Like that's, Patrick that's the one thing. Like if, if this team can get in more third and longs and he kicks it inside, that's, that's actually where he I'm could more be excited sacks. about him. He could right. be 10 sacks, right? Here, yeah. Here's, here's the other thing too. Not every quarterback he's going to be playing is Patrick Mahomes, who can be that mobile in the pocket. Like his he was nearly getting home on some of these two. Like he was disrupting all of it. I wonder, Chris, if he could have the opportunity to maybe go up against a reserve tackle and Geno Smith in the near future. (laughs) Can he make Geno Smith go? Oh, God, (laughs) again. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. And speaking of the Seattle Seahawks. We don't usually do previews for the next game on the big POD cast. It's the domain of first bite, but we're going to invade verse first bites territory a bit. 
and continue some more conversations here and look around um, the NFC North because this was a uh, as as good as it was for the Lions. This was also a very funny week for the division. And we're going to explain what we mean by funny when we come right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit POD cast part three here for this week as we continue to wrap up week one. And I'm going to take the the uh, eyeglass from the Lions for a second so we can look around the rest of the division, because that's the fun thing about playing a Thursday night game. We get a little extra time to catch up on everyone else and on the Joneses. And um, this was a very funny week for the NFC North. I believe this division to be wide open. It's why I have been very hopeful of the Lions, specifically in the terms of a chance to take an NFC North crown the first time in their in their the the club's lifetime, considering the NFC North didn't exist last time they won a playoff game. However, a lot of other teams also had that same kind of hope because it's the NFL and hope springs eternal when you are zero and zero including even for the Chicago Bears, where I think, you know, you draft one player for the for the offensive line and Gervon Dexter for the D for your D line. You pick up DJ Moore in free agency and suddenly everyone is going nuts. Most people in Chicago are going nuts and people start drinking the Kool-Aid and suddenly you get people on the national TV because Chicago gets so much favoritism talking about how the Bears could be a contender for the North again. And then Sunday happens and things turn very, very funny. And I think, Jeremy, we start and I I, I hate to do this to you because I know where you really want to go. But I want to <laughs> start with what happened with Bears Packers, because um, I really want to know, are you allowed if you are in a city of an NFL team to get mad at a team just because they didn't live up to your insane expectations or are the bears really someone you should really be getting mad at today? And it's really that bad there because boy, oh my goodness, this was an ugly game in all cases. And we're kind of overreacting to week one, but um, (laughs) we as a lions podcast get to have some shot and Freud all the same. I think, I think bears fans have to look themselves in the mirror today and be like, not not necessarily what was I thinking, but let's be a little bit more realistic about the situation, right? This was a team that was the last place team in the NFL last year and expecting them to come out week one and be like, this is another team. This is a whole different. That doesn't happen in the NFL. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, like the Lions, their turnaround was gradual, right? They went from a three 13 and one team to a nine and eight team. But they went from a 3-13-1 team to a 1-6 team. I said that the Bears had a long range of, of outcomes that could happen this year. And I still do believe that to be true. But the one thing I did say pretty consistently was, it's not going to be there right away. 
You have all of these moving parts. You have a bunch of young players that you're drafting. You have Justin Fields with new receivers. That does not click in week one. And so for people, for the, I mean, I, I'm almost certain I picked the Packers in this game. I could be wrong, but I felt given what I've thought about this division for a long time, all off season, I still think the Packers are the second best team in the NFL. And I think they prove in the NFC, NFC North, um, NFC North. Yes. Not the NFC, not the NFL, the NFC North. Um, but the bears are going to take some time and they're still hurting where I think is the most key to long-term success. And that's on the offensive and defensive line. And they got worked on both of those from the Packers on Sunday. And that, that to me, that is the thing that's going to lower their, their ceiling to, yeah, I, I no longer think this is probably going to be a team that can sneak into the wild card. Maybe they win eight games, maybe they win seven games, but they don't have a good offensive line. It's still a mess. Darnell Wright's going to come on, I'm sure, at some point, but some rookie mistakes there. Defensive defensive front is is really what's going to kill them. Like they're they are just not going to get pressure on teams. You, you upgraded your linebackers, great. The least important position on defense. Congratulations, you played yourself. Well done. <laughs> Anything to add on the Bears, Ryan? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the only thing I was concerned about when it came to the bears this season was if fields does all of a sudden take a jump and things just start to click for him when he gets an elite wide receiver and not again, I'm not writing off DJ Moore, but uh, maybe it's not as simple sometimes as, Hey, just get a really talented wide receiver. I think the bears are probably the poster child for build like why you should build inside out. Because the Lions built inside out. And I don't think the Bears have built inside out. Now, granted, I'm saying this about them when they had a draft where they got Darnell Wright and 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 Gervon Dexter. I understand that. But one piece on each side does not a rebuild make. And they're still, to Jeremy's point, they're still a ways away. And their receiving options are not good. And their rushing options are probably even worse. You cannot, your quarterback should not be your primary rushing attack. Justin Fields isn't Jalen Hurts. That said, however, I don't think the Packers are, are going to have the luxury of playing the Bears every week either. I have an incomplete grade on Jordan Love. I'm not sure really, Jeremy, what to make of Jordan Love just yet because a lot of the, a lot of the Packers offense was either get the ball to Aaron Jones and he'll do something uh, and really wasn't really that much. Uh, I mean, I know he had like 86 yards. He was their receiving leader and a lot of it was just yak, but he didn't have to make any deep passes. A lot of his passes were back behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And a lot of the rest of their offense came on busted coverages. Yep. No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think Jordan Love made a big play in that game where I'm just like, wow, that was a great play from the quarterback. Like he and did granted, like, he's missing Christian Watson, who he had a lot of rapport sure. with in preseason, but still, yes. Yeah, no, I I'm with you. Like definitely an incomplete grade. I, I'm not I'm not like shaking in fear that the that the Packers have a a a new Hall of Famer on their at quarterback again. I I didn't see that from him. It but like listen, like the, it's still very young in this kid's career too. I'm not not ready to to bury him either. 
Um, Aaron Jones is just a scary dude. And that defense, that defense might be pretty good. I know we're talking about the Bears offense and how crappy they are. And I, I want to go back to the Bears real quick, just for two reasons. One, I think Justin Fields was bad in that game. Not, I know his offensive line didn't help him, but he was bad. He was missing reads. He was missing throws. He was bad. And Chase Claypool. I don't know if you guys have heard the rumbles out of Chicago about Chase Claypool. They could be but, done with him already. Like they thought he dogged it through that game. He just did not give an crap about it. And he was walking throughout. He was not blocking his, what they trade for him, Ryan, a third round pick. Something like that. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was a second round pick. Second round pick. You know, you know how many catches that got him on, on Sunday? Did did he get as many catches as? Nope. Okay. Higgins. Yes. Oh, okay. So Zero. it was, a, it was a second round pick by the way. Yeah. Which got, um, which got Z- the Steelers, Joey Porter jr. I think. Yeah. Well, so you, you didn't, you didn't spend that second round pick on the trenches. Instead, you spent it on a wide receiver who apparently doesn't want to be. I mean, I'm speculating, but or, was not playing like he wanted to be there. Right. Or the bears just could have drafted George Pickens and no, but they just waited and traded a second round pick for a guy who yeah. just walked and his way through a game. As our live chat is pointing out, it's almost technically a first round pick because it was the Bears because yeah, yeah, it was second the, round pick. It's 32nd, 32nd overall, second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a big draft pick for a guy who didn't do squat for you on, on Sunday. And and I don't know. He wasn't that good towards the end of last year either. I mean, none of their receivers like Darnell Mooney, who was there, led them. Not far behind was Cole Komet, which, yay, finally, Cole Komet is doing something as a tight end. You sure ain't that great of a of a blocker either. And D- DJ Moore, how'd he do? Uh, yeah, they're other... big the big acquisition that was going to catapult them to the next level. Two two catches for 25 yards. Yay. Yeah. So that I mean that's that puts I, I'm sorry to all the Bears fans that are listening, which are probably zero, considering Hi Rob our, Zaglinski. Our, our slogan for years at this website was hashtag we own the Bears. Uh, turns oh, yeah, out Packers. we're not the only team. Yeah. The Packers very much own them as well. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers likes to say he's the mayor of Chicago or whatever. He leaves and the Packers are still dogging, dog walking them. I I just want once one more thing on the Packers before we I go to where I know Jeremy really wants me to go, which is like I. Again, I'm with Jeremy. I think the Packers could be the second best team in this division. I just don't know what that means being the second best team in this division yet. I just need to I'm I'm impressed with what they did against the Bears. I just don't think that counts for much right now. I'm really I'm really not trying to hate on the Packers. I think they did. They had a good game. I just want to see like and they're going to walk their way through the NFC South for the next couple games. And we might have two winning record teams when Thursday night football happens. And that would be very impressive, but I, I don't know going down to Atlanta with the Falcons coming out as strong as they did. That'll be a good test for their defense. I think playing Atlanta. It's interesting that both they and we will play the Falcons before our week four matchup. So there'll kind of be that compared comparison. Transitive property. Yeah, exactly. But like to, to kind of underline your point, it's it's Falcons Saints lines for them. So I mean, it's not it's not a tough start to the to the year. And then they get Raiders, Broncos, Vikings, Rams. The same like, schedule we get, yeah. But but it's all to me. That's a very like easy front loaded schedule outside of obviously the Lions game. Their their toughest right. game on on the schedule. Um, but but yeah, like I 
I, th- I think they're a team that could be artificially like hyped up early because of their easy schedule. But like once the real tests start coming around towards the end of the season where they got to go Chargers, Lions, Chiefs. We'll see. We'll see what they're really made of. Can I do now? Ryan, do you have anything to add on the Packers or should we go over to the uh, purple bean eaters? Uh, well, let's let's do that. Let's get Jeremy to where he needs to be. <laughs> I, don't I don't I don't know what the future holds for the Vikings, but when you have Kirk Cousins throwing for 344 yards and somehow you only put up 17 points on the board and let Baker effing Mayfield a washed up Baker effing Mayfield walk all over you. I'm sorry. In your own building. Reality came quick for the Vikings. I didn't think it would come that that the that the cold water to the face would come this quickly, Jeremy. I thought next week when they have to go to Philadelphia, that's when the real horror would set in. But um the Buccaneers provided us the surprises early. <laughs> Y'all played with fire all goddamn season in 2022 regression's a bitch vikings i told y'all it was coming you were never that good of a team i'm sorry you just weren't your defense still bad if baker mayfield the guy who couldn't get the lions into the playoffs and and help the 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 seahawks who were on their last leg limp into the playoffs you can't stop that guy in the second half you have him run a 10 play five-minute drive at the end of the game so that Kirk Cousins doesn't even get a chance at redemption because his last attempt went three and out for three yards. You're a bad football team. Y'all always have been. Space guy meme. The Vikings are a bad team? Always have been. Always have been. I'm Like, their offensive line, guess what? Still bad and now injured. Their defense, still bad. Your offense, still a one-man show in Justin Jefferson. Or Nassim did show up a little bit, though. He had a touchdown catch. Give me fight. Give me the fight on. Come on. Just let me have that. The uh, the they, Buccaneers were awful on offense, too. By the like, way, I mean, we to, to, to under, Jer- like we we didn't underscore the fact that they had 33 carries for 73 yards. They <laughs> averaged 2.2 <laughs> yards per carry on the ground. They had guys. They averaged 3.6 yards per pass attempt slash per rush attempt. They're not good. They're not good. I don't know what else needs to be said about the Buccaneers other than they're not good. And like, you know, Baker Mayfield, at least early on the season, will give you something. And this team is not going places whatsoever. And speaking of defenses, I don't know, like, what's the best name on their on their defense? Shaq Barrett? Vita Vey? Who else? That that linebacker that like has some good games and then a bunch of bad games that the line, line fans wanted to trade for. Yeah, Devin White. Oh, wasn't there like a wasn't there like a uh, CB? I think people wanted to trade for too. Mm-hmm. Um, I no. thought that might have been. Oh, whatever. They, but here, the, here's the, the thing: free, the yeah. free agent was Jamel Dean. Mm-hmm. Jamel but, Dean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This team thought they were going to be fine getting rid of Delvin Cook. Alexander Madison, eleven carries, thirty-four yards. Congratulations. 
You thought your defense was going to be fine without Delvin Tomlinson. He's killing it. I don't remember what team, but he had a really great game somewhere else on Sunday. Y'all ain't crap. TJ Hawkinson got got targeted nine times and still only has 35 yards in that. Eight catches and... I don't know. I, are, are the yak numbers out for him yet, Jeremy? <laughs> I can I can probably venture a guess and, and come within two yards. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, though. It was eight catches for 35 yards with a long of 14. Oh, are we doing the take away the long? <laughs> uh, are we doing our favorite game? <laughs> Dude, t- take it away. You're left with seven catches for 21 yards. What Average what three. were those plays <laughs> like? Like, were you guys just were you having non flashbacks as Kirk Cousins just made the same throw he made to end the playoff game against the Giants last year? Like, was he throwing short of the sticks like seven yards every time he went to TJ Hawkinson? It's rough, man. I don't know what else to say. Maybe Kirk Cousins will find some answers in his Tuesday hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> On his way to uh, Planet Namek or whatever the fuck he does. Did you just pull a Dragon Ball Z reference? I did pull a Dragon Ball Z. You did can't I just call me. Ref- did, 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 did Jeremy just recognize, recognize a Dragon Ball Z reference? <laughs> Come on, that's as normy as that shit gets. Come on. <laughs> I don't. I don't the, know the what Vikings to do. Apparently, with the- get us riled up. We don't swear yeah. much on this podcast, but we're at like six during this segment alone. It's ha- well, I think it's, it's I- now, but TJ Hawkinson had a two point eight yards average depth of target. Jesus Christ. I just I think we're riled up about it because I heard so many people this offseason writing off the Lions and that saying the Vikings are going to keep doing this. And yet every time you try to point out to people that this was coming for the Vikings, it was. It it, it was just a collective shrug that this wasn't going to be a problem for them at all. They still have Justin Jefferson. They still have. Kirk Cousins. That that's it. That's like that's all that anyone could say about the Minnesota I Vikings. Challenged. I never never understood why people were picking them to win the division. I never even understood why they were picking him second in the division. They were a bad team last year. They got worse. They lost so many people on defense that was already terrible. They lost Adam Thielen, who I don't care how old he is, he's better than any other receiver not named Justin Jefferson on this team. And they lost Delvin Cook, who is better than Alexander Madison. I challenge across the board. I challenged a coworker. I challenged an on-air coworker. Who on def- Who do they turn to on defense? What is your answer to them losing all the pieces on defense? And he said, and he tried to tell me sometimes, you know, teams they let go of bad players and they find guys on the depth chart that are just ready to take that spot. And like, who? Copium. Who's it going to be? And who was it in this game? Did any of those guys step up? No. They're in for a long season. I feel I, I know it's week one. I know it's some overreaction. I feel confident in saying the Vikings are going to have a very long season here, Ryan. Yeah, I'm here for it. Their next games oh. at Philadelphia Chargers. At Chiefs, I mean, at Panthers, I'm sorry, then Chiefs who by by week five, I think the Chiefs should have Travis Kelsey back. They might have Travis Kelsey back this week. Yeah, and they're, well, they're getting Chris, and Chris Jones. And Chris Jones. <laughs> and Chris Jones. The the Vikings might start one and four. And that might be being optimistic. Well, and then the right. next two after that, at Bears, 49ers. I want to ask all of you this question in earnest after we've just gone around the entire NFC North. 
and try to keep your week one overreactions where they belong. How many wins does the second place team of the NFC North get? Eight. Maybe nine. I'll say nine. I'll say nine. The Packers schedule does look really easy. Do we all we all agree that the Packers are going to be at least second in this division? I Monday, Monday, Monday overreaction, Monday morning quarterbacking. Yes, but a lot can change. I don't I don't know. I don't I, I can at least see the road to the Packers getting nine wins. I can't see the road to the Bears getting nine wins, and it's getting harder and harder to see the Vikings road to nine wins. Two quick things. One, Ryan, the fact that you said at least second place makes me very, very upset. Why? I'm hedging just like you. I, I don't like be so it. proud. Second, Aaron Rodgers just left the game with an injury. Oh, no. I'm starting. We're recording this during Monday Night Football. I, I know, I know, I know. And now I I'm letting know. the people at home. We, we, we have the to Packers, end this. We have the to Packers end this. We're going to get a better pick. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, man. we get out of now, here don't now you've just realized that there's motivation for me to root for Aaron Rodgers <laughs> there's a fine line and that's the thing I hate the most about it yeah all right well now right, that Chris. we're talking about things that are happening live which have already happened to our podcast listeners we should probably get out of here yes we should um I have a fantasy team to manage because I'm starting Aaron Rodgers tonight too late now I know I know I gotta put in some waiver stuff <laughs> Zach Wilson baby Oh, God. Just when they thought the Jets were free of their terror. No, no. Oh, this is even better than I expected. Uh, Goodbye, everyone. We're going to have first bite this week. Uh, Is midweek mailbag coming back, Jeremy? Uh, Undecided yet. If it's coming back, we're going to record on Wednesday instead of Tuesday because the Lions mixed up their schedule a little bit. They're going to be practicing on Tuesday this week where they normally have Tuesday off. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, if there's a midweek mailbag, we'll record on Wednesday. It'll go up on the podcast Thursday, and then uh, First Bite will be recorded Thursday up on Friday. We are still trying to figure out if we're doing post game or not. I'm going to be I am now part of Fox Sports Radio's Red Zone Radio, which means that like my mornings are spent looking at all eight games instead of being at home. So I don't know if that's going to be something we do. Question mark. I'll ask Jeremy about it later. Either way, podcast after the game, Sunday night, we are moving to our Sunday night schedules, at least for the next two weeks before we have another Thursday night game. Right. Very odd, very odd uh, schedule compared to last year, Jeremy. Price of being good. That's one day you'll learn Vikings. America's America's upcoming team. For myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, who's busy getting in some live bets right now. We'll see you star side. Oh.